میبه What a finish جونم کیروش چقدر این تیم خوبه چقدر این پسرا خوبن چقدر داریم لذت میبریم ما played with a spirit and an endeavor and a togetherness that really helped them in the tournament. And Portugal look in trouble again. Is this the moment where Patricio love his line and it's into the side netting on the far side of the ground. It's all over. And England win on penalties. England march on for this new team, new territory. Iran is is one that I know least about, although I've, I remember their games in the last World Cup where they did really well. I think England are the favourites to win it. The others in the group can scramble for second place. The dream, of course, it's to play World Cup every time, to be in the group every time, and then from there try to go through, try to come first place or second place. Which is our ultimate objective as an Iranian national team is to qualify for the second round of the World Cup in Qatar. That's a brilliant goal. Oh my goodness. What a fabulous goal by Mehdi Taremi. When they go down 1-0, let alone 2-0, they have a hard time coming back and winning a game. England is one of the best teams in Europe. Iran one of the best teams in Asia, so that's why we're here to play, to play great games. They're just mm. glossing over Iran. Only one team walks away with a trophy and there are several good teams in it, but England think that they are one of the top four or five, I think. Bicycle kick! Oh my word! 1-1! Is it Jahan Bash again? I think it is! Dare, Yersal, but Tiredo, for Safaro, Iran! To be given Tiredo, I was a bad horse. Hola, goal! It might feel a little bit like an Iranian home game. A piano for Santa for Safaro, Sardar, but Tiredo, Tiredo, Santa Diabria, that was a for Safasol, and Zade, in Bartuflo, or Pobar Migardune. انصاری فرد نزدیک او شده حالا ارسالش بریه دروازه فرصت برای ایران و گول گول رو مهدی تارمی میزنه هری کین with the chance to equal the great Bobby Charlton he does it he puts England in front it's Kane for England we go to World Cups that first game those first games actually not always going according to plan we, we play for the people we play for football as builders of joy happiness and pride we're going to try to do our best for Iranian support welcome to a new edition of Goal Bizan the pre-2022 World Cup in Qatar we are within hours of Iran kicking off against the three Lions of England, all of the conversation, all of the uh, the arguments, all of the uh, press conferences, all of the last four and a half years have led up to this moment, and we are happy to be providing you with the official uh, Gobizan preview into the England match happening this coming Monday. Now, uh, guys, uh, for some reason, I'm hosting. Uh, my name is Samson Tamajani. I am with, of course, the classics of Gold Bizan, Arya Alaverdi, Sina Saimian, and Daniel Kayal. Guys, welcome in. Thanks a lot, Samson. Uh, good to be uh, on this pod covering the first game of the World Cup against England, which is going to be our toughest game. So I look forward to it. Same here, Samson. Good to speak to you. And uh, as you said, we are hours, as you put it, away from the... Uh from the first game uh so 
yeah, let's get to the uh, to the big issues. Hi everyone, yeah, quite excited and only a few days to go, so can't wait for it. We have been extending our arms outward as well. Uh, several of us have already been on other podcasts previewing uh, Group B and how Iran will fare against the teams in the group, including uh, Sina, your conversation. I believe it was with uh, Football Ramble. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, it was a fantastic conversation. Uh, we have links to it uh, up on our website, globalizonpodcast.com, if you'd like to see that, as well as our social media. Now, recapping what just happened in the last couple of days. Uh, if you missed it, well, we don't blame you because it was not broadcast at all. It was Iran's friendly versus Tunisia. It ended with Tunisia winning the match 2-0. Tunisia's first goal was scored by Naim Sliti. I might have been pronouncing that wrong, but you know that's that. Uh, Iran lost the game anyway. It was in the 62nd minute uh, after Jalali's handball offense in the penalty area, earning himself a red card for it. And Tunisia capitalized on it uh, in the 62nd minute, uh, and then uh, in the 69th minute, Ali Abdi scored for Tunisia. Uh, and uh, and that was it, 2-0 for, uh, in favor of Tunisia. Uh, here is what Carlos Queiroz uh, posted on social media after the match. There was no media press conference. It's just a social media post. He said, quote, Good training with Tunisia. Great opportunity to learn from a couple of mistakes and rebound stronger and better. On the game today, 22 players, 45 minutes competing, plus 30 minutes of intensive complementary work. All we are doing with our fighting team spirit and powerful winning mentality is giving Dream a chance. We are getting there united and together to carry on with our duties as football professionals to bring joy, happiness, and pride to our football Iranian fans. End quote. Arya also caught up with them in Vienna uh, about the situation of only having, having a few uh, months to prepare uh, also about Aliyar Syed Manesh, the striker not being fit for the World Cup. Uh, and we'll be able to feature that later on in our episode. Uh, just briefly then, uh, guys, uh, what uh, what is our reaction? Obviously, we weren't able to see the game. It was behind closed doors. Uh, Ari, I want to start with you. What, what, what you, you could you gather from what happened against Tunisia? Well, everyone played 45 minutes, so the entire squad got a run around, which is um, important, of course. You know, the, the Iranian league players haven't been playing for a long time. They've The league's been uh, stopped for a few weeks now. Uh, also, the Qatar league as well. So a few of the players that are playing that league has also not got a lot of game time. Um, and, you know, uh, Sadar Osman didn't play. Uh, so that's an indicator that he might not be available for this first game against England. Um so you know, I think it was a it was a runaround for them. Um, from what I heard, um, Kirosh insisted on um, playing a defensive game, not really worrying too much about the attacking aspects because uh, he felt that we did that in the Vienna camp. We already scored a goal against Uruguay. Won that game. We did pretty well scoring a goal against Senegal. So he wanted to now work on the more the defensive aspect. So he used it as a training session, if anything to um, enable his players to uh, use that defensive block that they will use against England. Guys, any other thoughts uh, about this result? Not a positive result. 
of course, but it wasn't about results, was it? No, as you said, the, the results wasn't the the important thing. I think Audio mentioned almost everything, and, and I echo everything he said. Um, I think it was mostly about match fitness, making sure that everyone gets um, some minutes on the pitch. And I think it was to, to ensure that uh, players are mentally fit as well as physically fit. I mean, Audio mentioned about the defensive side of things. What we have to consider is that, you know, as much as you have to uh, make sure that you have the stamina to last ninety minutes, but it's also making sure that you can con- you can maintain the concentration and focus um, in that period as well. Um, so I think that was the main purpose of the game. Um, it's not really too much to take away from it, um, and especially because we've not we've not. Um, um, seen the game or, or have any any sort of information other than who scored the goals and 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 the um, and the red card. Now, guys, uh, I might need your help with this, but it wasn't the most expected starting lineup for the first forty five minutes. Uh, I believe it was uh, it was uh, Khalil Zadeh getting the uh, start as center back. Uh, no, it that- was a. Uh... Porali Ganji and Hosseini. That's right. Is Morteza Porali Ganji with Hosseini. Not the expected starting uh, back fo- back four or back three that we would uh, well, expect. D- Daniel, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I, I think it's difficult to with uh, Carlos Carlos. He's, he's not the coach to to let you read uh, his strategy before uh, important games. So it is difficult to define the, the starting lineup. We know for sure that some players will start, but not all of the 11 players. And yes, actually, it was quite surprising to, for example, to see uh, uh, Hosseini uh, playing the second half as a goalkeeper and not Abedzadeh. For a long period, Abedzadeh was the number two or even number one sometimes, some games. And uh, yes, we, we also had Cheshmi, for example, as center mid, as defensive midfield, sorry. And um, this is also... Um, a new a new thing uh, in Tim Melly. He didn't play in the Califier, so it, it could be surprising to see him start. And there is a possibility. Uh, also, we have Amiri back at, as a left winger. Well, I'm not sure that uh, that is the, the, the best option that we have, but still, Kerosh uh, tried it. So we really don't know uh, what will be the starting eleven for the first game. But uh, yeah, uh, the the lineups were. A bit surprising. I'll go through the lineups if you want me to, uh, Samson. Um, the first uh, for, uh, half it was um, in goals. Uh, we had Bayron Van in goals. Right back was Moharami. As we said, Prali Gaji Hosseini were in, in the middle of defence. Mirad Mohamadi at left back. Then you had in the midfield three Cheshmi, Izatullahi, and Hajj Safi. And then the front three were Jahan Bakhsh. Uh, Taremi and Amiri and in the second half it was pretty much the other 11 players so Hosseini in goals Reza Yon Kanani Khalil Zadeh Jalali at left back obviously got sent off then the midfield three Kodus Karimi and Nurullahi and then the front three Koli Zadeh Ansari Fahad and Torabi So I guess that leads me into our preview of Iran versus England it is a Monday, the 21st of November at 1 p.m. UK Standard Time, 4 p.m. Qatar Time, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. That's if you're in New York, 7 a.m. if you're in Chicago, Central Standard Time, uh, and 5 a.m. Pacific Time, as such as if you're in 
California and Seattle and so on. Um, and it'll be at the Khalifa International Stadium in Doha, one of the brand new stadiums uh, for the 2022 uh, World Cup. I believe it's just the second official game uh, after Ecuador opens against Qatar on Sunday. Well, uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it then with this lineup. It wouldn't be Carlos Carlos without some surprises. We've seen that uh, just reviewing, uh, as Aria mentioned, in the uh, Tunisia game. Uh, obviously, this brings some uneasy thoughts, but I mean, no one can predict what Carlos Carlos has ultimately for the first games of these World Cup tournaments. We are privileged enough to say we've known him for two already, and this will be his third. What should we expect? Well, I think, as I said, Sardar Osman is unlikely to start. He could play some minutes during the game at some point. Um, I believe it's Carlos Kirsch's game. You know, it's, 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 it's his kind of match that he wants to uh, make his team defend for 90 minutes. And I think he'll do that um, because obviously the priority in this game will be not to concede goals, not to give away that many chances to England. It will be quite difficult. They have very good players in the middle, and I think our weakness is that middle of the pitch, the, the midfield, where we lack a bit of mobility, lack a bit of speed, um, and a bit of uh, of that kind of hard-working uh, tenacity that we had maybe in 2018. So I think that England could capitalise on that, but I think, again, we, we have a, a, a team that are, are in their prime now. Uh, everyone's kind of in their prime years, so it could be um, a better performance than we had in 2018 when it comes to maybe scoring goals. If if we are on the attack, Taremi was still playing Qatar back in 2018. Let's not, let's, let's not forget. And now he's playing on top of his game in, in, in Europe and Porto. So I think uh, England will have to defend at some points in this game. I don't think they're going to have it all their own way. They will have to defend at some points. But I think the majority of the game will be us sitting back and defending. Danielle, who are some of the guys who you would hope step up, uh, maybe unlikely heroes? Uh, who do you think needs to come up big for Team Elite? Well, uh, I, I would say uh, Salman Rodus. Uh, he played well uh, uh, against Uruguay. He Actually, it was uh, quite surprising because he wasn't playing at all uh, or only a few minutes for his club. So I would bet that maybe... Um, he even if he doesn't start versus England because as Arya said it will be a very defensive game and uh, we we should not blind, uh, lie to ourselves and um, yeah uh, I think he we can have a nice performance by him and I also think that we could see a surprise in the goalkeeper position um I don't know why I just have this feeling. Sina, so, you know, I I want to know your thoughts as well as. Uh, just the fact that there have been tiny moments that make or break Iran's World Cup uh, campaigns. 2014, it was uh, Guchanajad perhaps giving maybe an extra meter of space to one Lionel Messi. Uh, 2018, it was a side netting from Tarimi or against Spain, a little flick off the shin pad from Diego Costa, uh, the winning goal for Spain. Um, what will Iran have to do to prove the doubters wrong against the, the three Lions? Well, as you said, firstly, football is a is a game of small margins and, uh, you know, it's not the highest scoring of, of, of sports and, and it's those 
errors, if you want to call them that, that essentially make make the difference in in most matches, especially when you when you um, talk about the World Cup and and um, the level of competition that there is in in the tournament. I think certainly from from Iran's perspective, and going back to the the lineup that you you read from the game against Tunisia, one thing that we discussed on the on the back of the last episode that we recorded. I don't know if all you remembers, but I mentioned that I I think Kairouche will either play a centre-back as a right-back, where we can then switch to a back five when we're defending, or potentially play two holding midfielders um, with a combination of either Ezzatoloi Cheshmi or Ezzatoloi Ali Karimi. Now, I think that can be um, a useful solution when we consider England. Um, England like to play in those half spaces outside the box when you consider the players they have in, in, in Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling and and Grealish to a, to a certain extent. Uh, and especially if they play a, a, a back five with, with the wing backs kind of um, attacking, I think having two defensive midfielders will give us a little bit more reassur- kind of a reassurance. And when you add, again, going back to the great point that Ario made that we don't have the legs in midfield that we did back in 2018 or even in 2014. We are, um, you know, if we had to kind of um, rank our midfielders, our best midfielders are the ones that are a little bit more um, kind of, I don't want to say stationary, but they're not as agile as as what you would hope for. So I think that would be a combination that could potentially work. But like you said, it's really difficult to to predict what, um, what Kairos will do. I think Osmond, yes, probably unlikely to start. And also, when you look at the um, the England side, uh, Kyle Walker is, is not going to play for them. So, so that's, a, that's a big miss as well. And, uh, you know, we've seen that he's a player that, um, that Southgate likes to, likes to rely on, gives him a lot of flexibility in, 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 the, uh, in the defensive line. But I think one thing that we have, I think it's something we are, we're all aware of, but I think we've been guilty of ignoring, is that we are a danger on set pieces. And um, I think that's something that we can definitely take advantage of, not just in the game against England, but um, but across all three games. And and I wouldn't be surprised if we can um, kind of nick a goal or two. And again, I think in 2018, the, the goal that we scored against Morocco came from a set piece. The Ezzatulay goal against Spain came from a set piece as well. So um, I have no doubt that there'll be there'll be special plans for both corners and, and free kicks. The, the goal that wasn't for Ezotolaki. That's right. A, a lot of people say, no, oh, it should have been a goal. Nah, it, 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 was, it was correctly uh, called <laughs> with all the VAR technology that they had just in time for the 2018 World Cup. But what's, what's the winning formation? Uh, and what's, what's the, the expectation for what England will have? England uh, is going to have the tactic of, well, uh, we have to at least hug Tarami the whole time. Uh, we have to not let them get the counterattacks that Karosh loves to do. Uh, what will Iran have to do to outsmart uh, the English? Look, it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, we can say all we want, but the English team will come to win this game. They will come. I mean, their objective is to get to the final of the of the competition. They got to the semifinals last time, so their objective is to get to the final. Our objective is to get to the second round. So we're different kind of parallels right now. Um, they are a team that have struggled uh, since March. They've not won a game. Uh, Gareth Southgate is a coach who I think has tried to build a team. Uh, he's 
you know, over the years, England's always been a, a team of individuals. You know, you had the likes of Lampard and Gerrard and Scholes, and they never really got on together. They were all good individuals, but they couldn't be a team. Now this team is is kind of well group, a good and tight knit group. Um, but whether they can they can be the team that they want to be in terms of getting the results they want to get, we we'll, we shall see. I think I think it will be an interesting. Uh, uh, it will be interesting to see how England get on. On on Iran's perspective, you know. They have to be, as I said, they have to be the same thing. They need to be very uh, defensive. They need to be solid. And there will be times in the game where Iran uh, have to uh, create chances. And if we concede a goal, like the way we did against Spain, we conceded a goal and right away we got on, we got on the attack. We need, we need to do that. And I just feel like England will be quite organised and will... I think this the Spain team underestimated us a little bit that year. You know, they they came into that game thinking that they would just absolutely run run through us and keep the ball and and score a lot of goals. I think the England team will not do that. I think they will. They're not taking us like they're not taking us too lightly. They are thinking, you know, this Iran team. You know, they're looking a lot quite strong. They they did really well in qualification results perspective. They did well against Uruguay. You know, we need to be a bit more cautious. So I think they will have that caution in their in their in their back of the heads. I just feel like if Iran's Iran is going to score goals, set pieces is, is the only, is one of the only ways. But Tarami, you know, if we can get Tarami to 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 create some dangerous moments. I think he'll take a he'll take a chance and score a goal, but you know, um, it's it's going to be very difficult for this team. And but I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think that will be the key. To, to Tarim is in top form right now. He's our best player. There's no doubt about that, and he needs to give to to be given the right the right passes, even if there is three defenders around him. He's intelligent enough to create situations, and. Um, so, but but that really will be the key. And to just to add something to, about what you said about England team, uh, yes, they have a very they have very strong players. Uh, when you look at the uh, at the, the squad, you say, wow, they, they they can go in the final. But on a collective perspective, they're not there yet to to prove themselves. I mean, with the players they have, they can do so much better, and still. We, we didn't see maybe in the last minutes against Germany, but maybe it was just a, a surprise uh, uh, hiding the, the reality of the team. They've yet to, to prove themselves uh, as a team. I think firstly, when we, going back to your first question, which is where can we win against England? Where can we give ourselves the, the best uh, possible chance? I think it comes down to for me, it comes down to two or three factors. Now, one of them is 1v1 situations, but both in the attacking sense and in the defensive sense. You pointed out the Karejma goal in 2018. Very good example. because, And, and I want you guys to have a think about this as well. When, when have you seen Iran under Kairosh having to defend 1v1? It very rarely happens. And because a defensive unit is always set up in a way where every time the ball is in a specific part of the pitch, especially into the final third, there is always two or three players around the man on the ball. Now, that is where the magic happens defensively from Kairos' perspective. On the other hand, 
one and, and so against England is even more important because of what Audio mentioned. Audio is absolutely right. Southgate has tried to build a team rather than relying on individuals. Yet it's the individuals that have created those moments of magic when England have needed them, certainly in qualifications. It's not been great build-up play or, or uh, great combinations straight off the training ground. It's been the, 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 the kind of the players being creative and having the flair to to create something and, and, and kind of win matches. So that's why that, that part of it is, is important. From an attacking side, going back to Toremi and looking at the England lineup, the absence of Walker is important. And the presence of Maguire is also important. Harry Maguire is a is a brilliant defender. He's always done fantastically well for England. Um, I know everyone judges him based on how he's performed for Manchester United, which has been poor. But for England, he's always been reliable. But we still have a player here who is down on confidence, who is not on the peak of his uh, peak of his game. And on the opposite side, from our perspective, we have Toremi, who is perfect for these sort of situations. Now, Daniel mentioned that creating situations or Ptolemy creating situations for himself. I think it's the other way around. I think Kairos needs to create situations in which Ptolemy is left 1v1 with either Maguire and John Stones and the intelligence that he has on the ball and off the ball will help him not just to score a goal, create a goal, but I think I genuinely believe there is a penalty to be won in this game by Torimi against Maguire. So I think 1v1 situations, whether it's defensively or attackingly, is where we can we can we can look to see where the match will be won. There is an important factor about that is that Tarmi plays up front and not uh, as a left winger, like he's playing in Porto. Absolutely, but it would actually be some if you if you think about it. I think from a theory perspective, obviously in practice it's always difficult, and I'm wondering what Audio thinks about this. But then if you have a if you have a tricky striker, you want him to have the space to run at the defender, not necessarily be caught with his back to the defender, because that's some, somewhat easier to uh, to to defend against. So that's why I was suggesting that Kairos needs to create these situations for Ptolemy where he has the 1v1 situations versus the defenders. The last point I will mention is that England did fantastically well in the last World Cup. Brilliantly well. And what I'm about to say does not take away anything from their quality. This is four years on. But when we consider England and the performances in the last World Cup, we have to um, think about the fact that England also relied heavily on set pieces to get to where they did. You're talking about uh, corner against Tunisia, corners and penalties against Panama, uh, corner against Sweden. I think it was two corners where John Stone scored, a free kick by Trippier against against Colombia. So you're talking about a team, again, going back to what Aria mentioned, where they are defensively very good. It's almost like we're looking at a, 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 a higher quality version of, of Iran, where defensively they are solid. They may not take as many risks, but they rely on those moments that we typically rely on to, to win games. I'll just add on Sina's point there when he was saying, um, you know, 1v1 situations, you know, one of the times that we actually did concede a goal in a 1v1 situation, if you cast your mind back to 2014, was that game against Argentina where all the game, it was Pula D and Dejargas marking him. The one time he got through, it was 92nd minute and he got the goal. And and this is the Bosnia. thing, you know, Bosnia as Bosnia well. Two as well, of the yeah. goals, two of the goals well, came from one v one situation. That game was just past. I think the players were just exhausted. They couldn't. They couldn't really handle the the 
the fitness level. But the Argentina game, you know, they were switched on for 90 minutes and they, they lost a goal against a top player. But England have top players too. Harry Kane is a is a wonderful striker. I think he he can be in any position. He he can score goals. You know, he's got that kind of uh, that kind of style of play. So I just feel like um, for this team, you know. England are a team that have struggled against weak teams in quotation marks. You know, obviously they they lost to North Macedonia. Um, so you know they they have this uh, and and they drew against Scotland in in the uh, in the Euros uh, recently. So they have the potential to to not do well against a against a, an underdog team. But again, uh, this Iran team really with under Carlos Queiroz kind of really go into that underdog mentality. So they, they, they almost don't fight through it under Kairos. And I think that's just the way it's always going to be with, with, with a coach such as Carlos Kairos, who wants his team to set up a certain way where they're they're giving away the attacking aspects until they can see the goal, essentially. Which leads me into my original, uh, the, the, the last part of what I said, guys. Uh, who, who will... Who do we expect the reinforcements to be for Iran? What what level of depth does Iran have to compete when we get into the second half later in the well, second half? The thing is, this uh, 20, 25 man squad, as has been in the previous part, it, it lacks pace, right? So if we're gonna if we're gonna look at like substitutes, you know, guys like Boris are there. Who I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I think he's a great footballer. He's got great technical, but he's not a pacey player. I don't think he's gonna cause. England too many issues when it comes to taking on his man and, and score. He's not a regular goal scorer in the Belgian league either. He's a lovely player on the ball. You know, you can pick out a pass. He's, he's got a great left foot, but I don't think he's a kind of player where you, he can impact a game with such uh, tenacity. You know, a, a guy like uh, Sayad Manesh would have done that. Unfortunately, we don't really have that on the bench. I feel like uh, a guy like Ansari Fard, though, Maybe a bit of a an outsider in this discussion. I feel like Ansari Fard's um level of uh, you know people don't really rate him too much for some reason. I think he's got a bit about him. I think he's got uh a, a natural instinct that can can cause any team any danger at any moment. And I think ultimately Ansari Fard is is probably one of the most experienced players we've got in this team at this point. He's you know he's been at three World Cups, so. If anyone's gonna be able to to show that level of experience, you know, to, to carry this team, it's a guy like Ansari Fard. And I think, you know, I hope to see him play um a lot in this World Cup. I do I do actually think he should be getting a lot of game time. Daniel. I I, I agree with uh, everything that Arya said. The, our squad like pace and unfortunately Alloyer is not here because he's Maybe our fastest uh, player, uh, Ansaifar has uh, actually nice uh, athletic uh, av um, abilities, and uh, yes, when we look at England, for example, England squad, they have a lot of players with pace, something really that we lack. But um, and our actually we have only a few players. For example, Tarmis can be can be quite fast as well. We have Milad Mohamadi or Chaloli, but they are left backs. So yeah, um, and I I, I agree that uh, Ansarifar can can be uh, helping us on on, on that uh, on that side. And uh, I I don't 
don't see well it will depend on the starting lineup but who will unlock situation in second half it will be difficult to say uh, without uh, knowing the the starting lineup well England's a, a big team they always are they're very big very physical very strong uh there might be a time where someone goes down uh, you know someone lands bad someone needs a sub in, in the back four uh, in the midfield do we have the depth and, and trust to make that change and for things not to be you know switched up uh too too much uh, uh uh outside of the original plan Sina, do you do you believe that iran is ready for that or at least the from a depth perspective i think in in the in the example that you use you know if a player is injured whether we have the depth or not we have to bring in a player anyway but um due to the nature of the tournament the fact that this three games show in such a short space of time and i'm sure Kerish learned a lot from 2014 in which iran pretty much burnt out by the time they faced Bosnia. He will be forced, whether he likes it or not, to make changes, whether it's in the starting eleven or substitutes within the game. Um, I think the nature of the substitutes will, will somewhat depend on the fitness of the players and um, what the game, where the game is going, essentially. I think midfield, depending on how we start, will be a position that we will see changes in. Um, and... With Osmond's absence, I think definitely up, up front as well. But uh, look, it's really difficult to say exactly who will come on. I think the names that uh, the guys mentioned will definitely be some of the first ones in terms of Polizade, um, Torabi, uh, potentially Khudus if he doesn't start. Um, so those are my expected go-to players. But like I said, it depends on where the game is going and, and what he has in mind. Well, I, I do think that Osmond will be fit for this game. I, I don't know if he, will, if he starts him, right, it's a bit of a risk. And if he starts him, it probably means that, you know, Kairos has decided, you know, we really need our best players on the pitch. Um, But I just feel like he won't do that. I feel like he will be a, a bit more pr- pragmatic on that, in that kind of front line. So we'll see what happens. And it's because he, he knows he needs Osmond a lot more in the second and third game than he does in the first. He can he can get away with with not playing Osman in the first game because the the purpose and, and and the targets for that first game are completely different to the second and third. So I I although I, I agree with Audio, I think he, he would play in terms of he would play some minutes. I just don't think he will start. And I don't think it's worth the risk either. Yes, and I, I agree with you, Sina. It, it will the, the key will be the way we handle the three games. We will need to re- make some rotation between the games and uh Many players will play, maybe more than uh, in uh, in 2018. Uh, to and we're playing our hardest. I mean, against the strongest side on the first game, but we, when we come to the third uh, group stage game, we're tired. So, yeah, it will the the way we handle uh, uh, our players' uh, uh, physical condition will be key. And also, yeah, they... Samson, just bear in mind that you know. But going back into 2018, you know, going uh, kind of looking at the question that you asked as far as depth is concerned, when I can't even remember, was it Cheshmi or, or I think it was Cheshmi who, who, who got injured and, and Majid Hossein came on. Nobody would have expected Majid Hossein to come on and, and perform as well as he did. So it's more that because of the way we play, it's easier for, for the other players to step in because everyone knows their role. Everyone knows exactly what is expected of them. So especially in the back line and, and maybe some parts of midfield, um, I'm not so concerned about the rotations. It's the it's kind of the on the attacking phase that the type of player we have will impact the way we attack with their decision making. 
it's an interesting point as well. Sorry to end it there. Um, when we had Mark Carajanyana on the podcast, if you remember, he was he was mentioning how kind of everyone had a certain understanding of what they have to do for each position. So, you know, it's it's going to be a case of whoever does come on will be given the the correct instructions for their position. So, for example, let's just say Khalid Zadeh does play it right back. I guarantee you he will be given more information than he was given by Skocic in that South Korea game. Uh, similarly with RF Konami, who came on that game and he was literally just shoved on at right back. Whereas I think now the players will have a little bit more information. Well, guys, there's been, I mean, as any Iranian can tell us, and everyone has their own perspective, there's been so much happening uh, back home. And it's never easy for for players who play a sport to respond or even address it. And Carlos Queiroz was involved in in a, in a clip that kind of went viral the other day and what he was asked uh, by a Sky Sports reporter. Here's that clip. Are you okay representing a country Iran has got that repressive device of women? Yeah, uh, to which uh, channel you work? Sky. How much you pay me to answer to that question? You are a private company, how much you pay me? Talk with your boss, and at the end of the World Cup, I can give you the answer if you make me a good offer. Thank you. You say it's an honor. No, no. I'm saying uh, to answer to that question, don't put in my mouth words that I did not say. I'm asking to your company how much you pay me to answer to that question. Okay? Okay. Thank you. We have 20 minutes now. Training open, please. I, th- I think you should start to think about what happened with evidence in England also. And think about that. At the same time, guys, uh, there's also footage and photos of all the domestic players uh, for Team Millie and I believe the coaching, coaching some of the coaching staff as well, uh, meeting with the president in Tehran. And then also uh, there was a, a photo op that FIFA had done with each team, and 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 in the they published one with Iran today with their team profile. Uh, they put it at least on their Twitter. I think they put it on other socials as well. The team. Uh, I just want to have an open-ended uh, discussion here. Uh, what is the discussion to have here with these ongoing off-the-field things, guys? Look, uh, some of these, uh, in fact, all of them are they're, they're compulsory, right? So they 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 have to meet the president. You know that that's something that they have done all the time. It's it's what you do when you get there, which I think was a bit of a, a disappointment. If I'm being honest with you, I think the reality is. Bayon Van got up and gave a big massive speech and he started to to say all oh, like um thanks for coming in, like supporting us. We hope you you support us when we're out there. We think we're happy that we were here with you, all these kind of things. It's like it was just, it just got a bit extra. It just got too it's like just stop and just like you're there, you've done what you have to do. Now can you just move on and get on with it? You know what I mean? So I just felt like it was a bit too much. I just felt like they could have dealt with it a lot better. You know, they could use that opportunity, that platform to raise some questions. You know, actually, I think Roman Rezoyan tried to at some point, but didn't really go ahead with it too much. Um, So I just feel like it was a bit of a missed opportunity for the players um, to kind of be the voice of the people uh, to some extent in that in that room. When it comes to in regards to um, players posing for pictures, you know, again, it's one of those things where 
yes, they have to do it. It's part of the the regulations. They have to take photos for FIFA for the World Cup. It's it's a team photo, individual photos. But uh, do they have to be overly celebratory during these photos? Probably not. Um, maybe they were asked to do so. Uh, I'm sure you know they're adults. They can refuse it. Um, do, you know, again, I'm not saying that. By doing that, they're not showing support for the the people the what's happening in Iran. They they have been they have been a lot of the players have been, but I just feel like you know it would have been nice to you know show a little bit more, you know just be you know you're a professional you know you know what's going on. Just understand that the situation you're in, the platform you have, it's gonna it's gonna make people very upset, and it has done. Um, and then with Kairos, you know again. I think that Kirosh, um, rightly so, Sky Sports News asked him a question that was it's he's going to get asked. I think rightly so, they asked him that. Um, they're journalists; they, they deserve to ask questions because that's their job. He answered it with a little bit. He was a little bit heated towards the end. You know, he was saying that you know why don't you um, look at the, the immigrants in England? You know, he, he kind of gave a response that it was a bit of a rebuttal that wasn't very necessary. Um. It was. It's always going to be a lose lose situation when you get and you get asked that kind of question. I think for, uh, for that and also, he you know he you could tell that he got a little bit you got a little bit angry towards it and that also that's also upset some people as well. You know maybe they felt like he didn't give a a good a good enough answer, um, in that press conference. And I think ultimately, um, these things that are happening are not helping the national team. For sure, they're not helping the national, helping the players, and um, I feel like things are gonna get more and more. Uh, you know, it's just gonna be more difficult as the as the days go on near the World Cup. Yeah, I agree that uh, the situation is quite difficult right now. Uh, for the players, they have a lot of pressure to 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 handle. Uh, we all know that the situation is very hard. Uh, uh, in Iran, and um, but all the subjects that uh, we're talking about and everyone is talking about when thinking about Team Ali are, um, unfortunately, on my opinion, uh, not related to football, not related to to what will happen during ninety minutes uh, in every game, and um, actually, uh, even when there is no problem, everyone is. Uh, nowadays, uh, focusing on the, the player's hairstyle hair or private life or uh, what they're doing in, uh, on social networks and less and less about football. But um, I, I know the situation is difficult. Uh, they're representing, uh, they're playing for the people of Iran and uh, everyone has expectation. Um, but sometimes I, I, I like to, to put myself uh, before them and at their place and just uh, ask myself what would I have done if I was in their situation. Um, of course, they, they handled a few situations uh, not in the best way they did. But as Arya said, sometimes it's a loser situation. And, and I think uh, all eyes will be on the first game just to see what will happen. Um, I don't have expectation personally. I know that uh, it's difficult because it's the World Cup. It's something happening every four years. You're not sure to be qualified to it. It's the biggest event in football. And we have, for the first time, 
um, a better chance to, to, to go to the next round. So it is difficult to focus on it. And I think it's very difficult to, to the for the players. And about the, the Carlos Queiroz answer to Sky Sport, I think he's trying to to protect them uh, from this situation and to to let them concentrate and focus um, on, on difficult tasks that they have on the sporting side. But of course, we cannot uh, uh, turn around from the, the, the hard situation we have. And look, we don't want to tell anyone how to think about this. Anyone, everyone is entitled to their own reaction to this. We also know that this isn't anything new. There has long been controversy with Team Mali, uh, th political things getting involved. Uh, you know, just look at you know all past uh, past World Cups that Iran has been a part of. They have met with the president. Uh, one of us uh, brought up pictures of of Ali Karimi and the other players meeting with Ahmadinejad yeah. back in I want to yeah. I want to just make a point to that again. That's a different a different era, a different time. I feel As, like yes, yeah, yeah. I I totally agree, and I've been I've been sent photos and people have said yes, hundred percent. Previous national teams have met with the president. As I said, it is a compulsory thing to do. But I just feel like in this moment in time, there's there's things where you know you can you can do what you what you're what you're what you've been asked to do, but you also the things where I think take a little bit of ownership and understand the position you're in. You know these players are all celebrities, no doubt about it. So they have a social responsibility, and they they have to, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion. In my opinion, footballers have to address wider issues. That that's something that they have to do. They're in a position of uh, very good, uh, very good power. You know, they've got massive followings on social media. You know, players even like even a player like um, Mehdi Hosseini, who got called up by Scotch, who plays in Meseraf San John. You know, he's got a, a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You know, these players are are massively followed, so they have a social responsibility. So. Meeting the president and and uh, giving speeches, you know, I think use your platform the right way. That's what that's all I have to say about that. There is a misconception that football and politics are separate. That's not the case. You can look throughout history in different countries, different continents, whether rightly or wrongly, football and politics are mixed, and and often organisation and bodies that want to keep it separate have some kind of a benefit from it. The main example being FIFA. Now, I don't think football as a whole has a responsibility to lead a movement. But football does um, have, I think, responsibility to acknowledge a cause, acknowledge um, a movement, a fight. And I think that's the situation that we are currently in. Now, I cannot imagine the difficult situation that the players are in in terms of the pressure uh, and I think we have to have a, a, a fair and a balanced argument uh, when it comes to what they should or shouldn't do I don't think fo footballers have to kind of be extremely vocal go out of their way but if they do want to speak up they should be encouraged to do so and I think that that's where the difference is you know, rather than forcing them to speak up, they need to be encouraged to if they want to do so. Now, the photo shoot is, I think, very insensitive, extremely bad taste, a lack of awareness as a whole, because 
there is also a difference of, of being active in your support, but also avoiding getting into these situations to begin with. And I can guarantee you, if there was a, a real leader in that in that dressing room, like a Masoud Shujai, like a Jawad Nekunam, or even further back, you go Ali Karimi Ali Dai, I can guarantee you those those pictures wouldn't have come out. As I think it was Arya that mentioned, yes, there is a, um, a compulsory or whatever it may be from from FIFA for, for the pictures to take place. But but in the manner that it has, I think it's, it's in extremely bad taste. They And what we also have to understand is that at the moment, I, I, I speak for myself, if I am able to at times separate football from the politics in the current climate, it's because I'm sitting in a very privileged position to be able to do so. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge that if there are campaigns for the national team to be banned from, from the World Cup, if there is pressure from, from people within Iran or even outside um, on the players to be more, more vocal, even if we don't agree, we have to understand where those frustrations are coming from. We have a responsibility to understand those frustrations. And I think once we begin to listen to each other and, and, and see the reasoning behind what we say, that's when we can come together and really unite. Now, I understand, and, and or at least I believe, that the players are not using social media within within the camp as much as they would have liked to. And I can understand the, 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 the thoughts behind that by, by Kairosh and, and the coaching staff. But I do believe that will not work to their favour because once they step on that pitch and they see the reaction of the fans to the, to the national anthem, and to be honest, the, the photo shoot and, and, and the meeting with the president has turned, from what it seems, a lot of the fans against, against the players maybe wrongly to a certain extent, I think there is a bit of an overreaction too. But once they face that into the stadium, when they're not expecting it, because they've not been active on social media, I don't think you can have a positive impact on them. Daniel is right. Kairush does has always protected his players. And that's his responsibility to do so. But I think the situation that we are currently in and in the current climate, and considering the fact that majority of the fans will be in the stadium and outside the stadium to protest, the players will will 100% be impacted. And in terms of the question that Sky has asked, honestly, I couldn't care less about what what Sky asks. And if you're if you're getting upset about what by what a foreign manager has to say about the current situation in your country, then you then you're looking at the wrong places. A football manager getting paid for a tournament doesn't have a responsibility to to address these issues. It's not his place in his place to do so, and I can guarantee you, majority of the of the managers will do the same. If you see a Gareth Southgate being a little bit more vocal in terms of addressing the social issues, it's because he's English. He's English managing an English national team. Carlos Kerish is not Iranian. He doesn't have the sense of um, kind of the, the the love and the passion that that an Iranian would for Iran. He's there to do a job, and as he's always said, he's there to do a professional job to make sure that the players carry their duties. Whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing from the player's perspective, that's a different argument to have. But if you're getting upset over what, what Carlos Kairos has said, then honestly, I think your priorities are in the wrong place and you're, you're requiring attention and, um, and support from, from the wrong places. Well, uh, you know, here's the thing. You know, we're sitting here in, in the safety of our own homes in different countries around the world. And we... We know some of these players, you know. I we've interviewed some of these players, you know. Um, we've had them on our podcast. We've we've met them as well. Uh, so we know 
that these players are definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, under a lot of pressure. Now, back to the football, is that going to impact them on the pitch? We've been asked this question so many times, by the way. Is it going to impact them on the pitch? Is it going to make them play badly? I, I actually don't I actually don't know the answer to that. All I can say is um I know for a fact that in Qatar there's gonna be a lot of protests. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of people uh potentially even booing the national team in these matches, you know, uh to that extent. Uh so I I do and I am quite intrigued to see how these players react. Personally speaking, um Again, Cena's point. I do believe that if you're if you're coaching or playing for this national team, you have a responsibility to address issues happening in the country. Now, yes, Carlos Queiroz is Portuguese, but he's in a position where he's a leader of the national team of Iran. So he, again, it's one of those things where it's very lose lose. He he get asked it, he's going to have to give an answer that's going to be. Um, in the sight of his players and immediately people are going to be very upset with him now for the majority that happened from what I can see we we shall see what happens going forward if he gets asked that question again which he probably will do uh, I, I, I wouldn't put it past the journalist to ask that question again it's how he reacts to that question again um, and I think again um, finally you know um by the end of this tournament, we shall see how how the the general reaction to this national team is. You know what 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 will they do? Will they uh, do something during the match? Will they do something during the national anthem? Will they do something after the match? Again, it's all to be seen, and um, you know it's going to be intriguing. One thing that uh, a player has said uh, in a recent interview with the Athletic. Uh, Saman Khodus, uh said, uh, gave a full interview, uh, but in, in one part he does say, quote, no one is happy about it and everybody wants to see a change. The change is very easy. What people want is nothing special. It's just freedom, end quote. Yeah, and I think he said something after that quote about, you know, not wanting violence. He wants there to be, you know, uh, protest but not violence as well and that was the rest of the quote but yeah you know um again you know it's good on him to, to do that not a lot of players have have kind of said things to that extent so that's good of him to to go to that to that extent of showing real support for what the protests mean for the people what you know that that kind of uh that kind of way um osmond has been quite in, in that in that bracket as well but we shall we shall see what happens during the world cup listen um a lot of these players are are also in their prime years they're not young players they're all a little bit older now you know they're all kind of above 25 26 years old so they all know the situation and and um i just look i think i think what what you said is is absolutely right um and i'm in terms of being been um open with with his views and um i think the rest of the players should should take notes and and have that sort of courage to 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 speak up um and i think that's what the fans want look the fans like i said they, they, don't, they don't expect football to go out of its way to do something that it's not supposed to but what they want is is the players that they've supported for so many years and and have watched their careers 
and, and watched him succeed and fail. They've been together for so long. They would just want a bit of acknowledgement for what they go through. And I, and I think whether you agree or disagree with that, I think, we like I said, we, we have to understand where the frustration is coming from. Yeah, I, I'd like to add the point. Um, uh, even before uh, the Iranian situation, um, on a sporting perspective, our team was in a difficult position because we just recently have a change of manager uh, the coach changed and um, and actually we are not even sure even without this uh, Iranian crisis that we're not even sure that the team would be ready to for the World Cup as we, we could have been in 2018 so it is a very difficult time and uh, players really have a lot of pressure and I think uh, of course there will be a lot of pro protest and many people are disappointed by the recent events um, and I think uh, the players uh, could have handled this better but I think uh, in my opinion we, we should uh, stay united uh, for for this World Cup yeah, especially in difficult moments Oh, and that in, uh, this news also includes former players as, as well guys uh, if you haven't already heard uh, notable Iranian legend, uh, team Ali legends, Ali Dai, Ali Karimi, and Javad Nekunam have all announced that they have declined offers uh, from FIFA, uh, AFC, all, all the four free passes to attend uh, the World Cup in Qatar representing uh, Iran or as Asian legends, whatever it may be. All three of them announced that they were declining uh, to show solidarity with all that is happening back home, and look, they are, um, they are not on their own. There's been athletes from other sports who've who've done the same thing, and and they should be applauded for their courage. And um, uh, football has has always been on the right side of history, and and has always been on the right side of the fence, if you if you want to call it that. And People like Ali Karimi and Ali Doi, you know, the legends of the game, they've, they've proved on, to the, on the pitch and, and they are certainly proving their worth and, and what they mean to the people uh, off the pitch now as well. Yeah, definitely. No, I completely agree with Sina there. I think um, uh, Ali Doi has, and Ali Karimi, both of them have been you know, doing really well in terms of voicing, uh, giving the voice to the people and trying to be uh, using their platform the right way. couple high-profile interviews that we did. Arya did an interview doing a media scrum in Vienna uh, just before the Uruguay match with Carlos Kiroch, uh previewing the uh, prep for the England match. Coach, welcome back. I want to ask you regarding the, the team. It's obviously it's your third World Cup in a row of the national team. You've obviously missed the qualification of this team. Do you think that, considering you only have two through months of training, is it going to be enough for you to take a team to the World Cup and be successful and get to the second round? Well, the time is, is exactly the same with me, uh, the previous coach or any other coach, which I used uh, this opportunity uh, public to show our uh, recognition, our gratitude. Yeah. Uh, we are, because of them, the, 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 the quality work that they developed in the past, the players that uh, uh, the Iranian players that they, they helped the team to qualify, the, the previous coaching staff. Uh, we have them legacy, as they took my legacy when they arrived. So in one intelligent way, it's just uh, to implement a program 
to keep going, building up uh, the present and, uh, and the future. I will not take this as a, a revolution moment to, to change uh, the future of football in Iran. Yeah. This, this is not time uh, to prepare the future, this is time to prepare short-term decisions. So what I need to do it is uh, what I'm doing, study very carefully the previous games, the previous decisions, yeah. and um, uh, take the best from, from that and uh, just correct and improve what we can do uh, to be better when the World Cup starts. One injured player that you have in, your, in the squad that's not here today is, is Sayad Manesh, who plays in Hull City. Could miss the World Cup. Do you think he's a big miss for the competition? All good players are, are important for all teams. And we're not happy when people's are, players are injured. And this is also one case for us. And I hope that during the World Cup, the top, top players in the world, all of them, they'll be there. Right now, guys, I want to go to um, our interview that uh, Aria did with senior writer at ESPN, uh, senior football writer at ESPN, Mark Ogden. Uh, Aria met him uh, in Vienna. Uh, we had an interview with him uh, back then uh, you can find that on our uh, Experience in Vienna episode that we had. Uh, this previewing the World Cup and everything involved. Take a listen. I'm joined by Mark Ogden, a good friend of ours who was on our podcast quite recently as well. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good to see you after the uh, trip to Australia, which was quite eventful. <laughs> yeah, good to uh, good to have you back. It was a, a definitely an eventful trip. and We discussed it <laughs> quite in length uh, on our podcast that you were on as well. Uh, with Ian Herbert, um, but yeah, just to, just to obviously a refresher for those who didn't listen to that podcast, can you give us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do for ESPN? Yeah, so you know my title at ESPN is senior writer, um, football basically. So I obviously I've been in the business for quite a while. I used to work at the Daily Telegraph covering Man United, Man City, moved to the Independent, and I've been at ESPN for the last six years covering. The big games, the Premier League, Champions League, World Cups, Euros. So, uh, and do a bit of offbeat stuff as well, which meant I went to Austria to watch mm-hmm. Iran against Uruguay when I suppose a lot of my colleagues were watching the England games. I was watching Iran. So, uh, trying to do things a bit, you know, a bit different, a bit, bit kind of off the beaten track sometimes, and hence the Iran game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's uh, brilliant. I mean, I, I do, and I do appreciate that you post that uh, article on your on your website as well about the interview with Gareth Southgate. I appreciate that. Um, give us a little bit about the squad for the English national team. Um, what what kind of uh, surprises are there in there, and um, how do you think they'll do uh, with with this called up team? Well, obviously, Southgate wanted a twenty three man squad. He wasn't keen on going to twenty six. He wanted a, a smaller squad as possible, but he had to pick twenty six. Obviously, FIFA stuck with that that number. I think there's an element of COVID in that as well, is to make sure that teams don't get hit too hard. So, it gave him the ability to pick a couple of players that he probably wouldn't have picked. You know, people like Marcus Rashford, I guess, are on the fringe of the squad because he's been up and down at United now for maybe eighteen months. He's had a again, he's had, he's had a decent season this year, but he's he still misses more than he scores. So I think Rashford is probably lucky to get in there. I think James Madison had a great season at Leicester, but again, he's a player that says gets overlooked for a long time. And I was surprised that Madison made it. I, I thought that he deserved to be in, but because Southgate is such a conservative coach that I think it's unlikely that Madison's going to play a big role at the World Cup because he would have to change the way England play to accommodate him. He's a guy that's got one cap and Southgate hasn't really given him much game time in the past. So I wonder whether he's benefited from the 26-man squad in the sense that 
it's given Southgate that opportunity to pick a couple of wild cards and also give Southgate a bit of cover as well because if it all goes wrong and he hadn't picked James Madison in the squad, that would have been accused. He would have been, that would have been held against him. So he's picked him and he's there to do a job if needs be. But I think I think generally England squad, few injuries. You know, obviously Reese James is a big loss. Ben Chilwell. I don't think they're particularly strong at centre half. I think in midfield they've got some great young players in Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham, but they lack a, a Luka Modric and Marco Verratti, the sort of players that have basically accounted for England in the last two major tournaments. So it's the same old England, really. Got a good players going forward, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Bakaya Saka, but can't keep the ball in midfield against a very good team. And defensively, I do worry about them against top-quality opposition. So obviously with it being England, everyone in England expects them to do really well and people talk about England winning it. Um, you know, they finished they were semi-finalists in Russia, finalists at Euro 2020. So the natural progression would be to win the World Cup. But I, I listen, I, I just think England are a bit bit short of that. But you know, there's no there's no outstanding team in the tournament, so you never know. But I do think that there are better teams there than England. So I'd imagine quarterfinals is the best it can do. In, in mentioning the defense and mentioning top quality opposition, you you, you watched that game against Uruguay um, for Iran, and uh, you saw how uh, we were able to win that game. But also the goal we scored, Tarami scored that goal, and obviously he's playing re- really well in Champions League and in the Portuguese league. Do you think that that could be an issue for the English defense? I think the biggest issue. That Iran will pose England is well the two issues I think that they're going to be really well organised. Carlos Quiros will have a, a game plan and he will frustrate. He'll try and frustrate England and make it very difficult. And the one thing that really impressed me against Uruguay was how Iran were able to stand up to the physical side of the game. Uruguay are a really tough team. I mean, they're one of the toughest teams in the world, and Iran were more physical and tougher than Uruguay. So I'd imagine from the very first kickoff. Iran will get stuck into England. And it'll be interesting to see, see how the England players cope because it'll be a very physical game. It's going to be hot. It's, it's one of the early games, I think, as well on, on Monday. And I think that, that there will be a sense of complacency with England squad because England as a nation, football nation and players have been brought up on this, with this complacency. England are one of the greatest teams in the world. You know, Iran, we should be beating Iran, you know, Iran. But Iran are ranked 20th in the world, probably the highest ranked team in Asia. Very proud nation, very strong football pedigree. And it's it's basically a home World Cup game for Iran. So I think there's a lot of factors there that could make it very difficult for England. And yes, they've got players that are playing at the top level of the Champions League. You know, Porto top their group in the Champions League group stages. So, you know, Porto plays in the Bundesliga, plays in England. This would be a very tough game for, for England. I do I do think that England should, obviously should win. But Iran are capable of frustrating England and getting a result out of this. I, I'm not saying Iran can win, but I think Iran can certainly get a draw out of this game. Um, and, you know, looking at this England team as a whole as well, obviously, as you mentioned, there are some injuries. I think Rhys James, in my opinion, is a, is a big miss for England. Now, England's always been that kind of team that you always start slow, but kind of, well, in recent times anyway, has started slow and done well towards the end of the end of the. the big tournaments do you think that's going to happen again or do you think that these things only happen because maybe it's lack of experience maybe now they have more experience that won't happen what what's the reasoning behind that do you think i think well i think in the past certainly at the world cup in uh, in 2018 they had a, a very soft group i think tunisia and panama are in the group it gave them a chance to you know to get on a roll basically and i think that's what happened and i think you know in the euros as well they, they, 
you know, they 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 earn a, a slow win against Croatia, drew against Scotland. So they, they they can be they can be frustrated England. I think that this is it. That, that there's so much pressure, and I, I do feel sorry for the England players at times. There, there's so much pressure and expectancy on the players. It's crazy, really, the hype that surrounds the England team. And it, it'll be the same on uh, on Monday against Iran. And it'll be the same in every game in the group, the USA and the Wales games, because England are playing teams that, for some reason, England are expected not just to beat, but to annihilate almost. And uh, it's not like that anymore in, in the world game. And I think there'll be a sense of mystery as well about Iran, because, you know, when they're playing the US and playing Wales, the England players will know who they're up against. They'll know their opposite number. They'll know pretty much everybody they're up against. You could probably ask the whole of the England squad, and I bet they couldn't name three Iranian players. And that that is a weakness. That'll be... That'll, that'll count against them because, you know, things like set pieces, you know, what a player's like with pace, what, which way does he go? They won't have a knowledge of the Iranian players beyond what Gareth Southgate and his coaches have put on the DVDs. So I, I do think this is a really difficult game for England, certainly as, as an opening game, because because of the pressure that's on, their opponents they're facing, they're going to the unknown, and they're actually a good team. So And they've got a very good coach who, who knows how to, you know, frustrate teams. We've seen in previous World Cups under Kiros with Iran that, they don't win many games, but they either draw games or lose them very narrowly. So I think it's going to be the same again. And also the schedule now is, is a lot, lot, lot different to most World Cups and being in the summer. This one is coming straight off a Premier League season. It's going straight into it. Um, and it's coming from an England team that hasn't won a game since March, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think that these factors are going to be something that Gareth Southgate can cope with? Or is it going to be something that maybe maybe in a couple of years' time we look back and we say, you know, maybe these are, are issues that FIFA didn't take into account uh, for, for bigger teams, for example? Yeah, I think I think Southgate can handle this. I think he's very methodical. He's very, he's very strategic. He will know how to deal with this. But you can't hide the fact that a lot of players will be tired. You know, the, from the start of the season, the big players in the Premier League have played two games a week. You know, Champions League, Premier League, or Europa League, and it's been it's been full on. I mean, even from my point of view, covering these games, it's endless. You know, it's just been completely endless since, since the start of the season. There's not been a break, and I'm not complaining because it's a great job I have. But you know, from a footballer's point of view, if you're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, it, it does wear down, and, you, and and a World Cup in the middle of the season is is really hard to kind of to get your head around. So it'll be it'll be interesting how it affects a lot of teams. I think it will have an impact. You know, the players will be going on different levels of fitness. They'll be carrying knocks. They don't have the usual like three or four week preparation time, chance to get over injuries, chance to acclimatize. And I, it's going to be hot in Qatar, but it's not going to be as hot as people think. I think that they still got this idea that it's going to be the hottest World Cup ever. It's not. You know, we're playing it in November, December, and it will be. It's not going to be as hot as it was in Brazil at times and, and places like that. But you know, it, going from a, a Premier League games in November on a cold Tuesday night to playing at 30 degrees in Qatar. And I, like I say, playing against Iran in, in the midday heat almost, it's going to be tough and it's going to test the physical reserves of the players and it's going to be it's going to be hard. Because I'd imagine the Iranian team have been together quite a while. The conditions will be home conditions for them. They won't be unfamiliar with it. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for England. Obviously, there's two other teams in the group. There's the US which obviously ESPN are, are, are quite um, highly liked to of being a, a US company, and also Wales, who are another British team. Um, how do you think that England are going to fare against them? You know, Is it going to be quite the same against Iran, or, or those because they're a little bit more known, are they going to be slightly easier in that sense? 
you know, on paper, English would win all three games quite easily, shouldn't they? Because they've got such a depth of quality in that squad that they should. But it, each of their opponents will be so motivated against England because of different historical reasons, different political reasons. So Iran, first time they ever played England, it's a huge game. You know, from a football perspective and the political perspective, you know, that is a big game for Iran. The USA, again, they're off, they will probably feel they're often like mocked by the English football public, the media, because it's the USA and it, they call it soccer and it's it's not really their game. So they've got a point to prove as well. And Wales, you know, Wales versus England is just the Welsh are so looking forward to this game because this is the, this is their World Cup final. And that isn't a, that isn't to kind of patronize Wales because this game means everything that there's a real. Wales and England, the, the England view of Wales is kind of in, they don't regard Wales as a rival, but Wales see England as the absolute rival. And there's, I won't say hatred, that's too strong of a word, but I tell you that the Welsh squad will be so looking forward to this game. It's the final game of the group. So England are playing against three teams that will be so highly motivated against them in a different way that perhaps it, if they play, I don't know, Senegal or Ecuador, this is a different level of motivation. So they've got to get overcome that as well. So, they could win every game. They could struggle in every game. They could lose a couple of games. It's it's really hard to call this group. So how are you, how are you predicting it then, Mark? What's your uh, ultimate prediction for us? <sighs> well, in terms of the group? Uh, yeah, give us your, your overall yeah, standing. Well, d- despite my pessimistic outlook of England, me saying that they're going to find it really hard, I do think they'll win the group. I think it would take something quite dramatic for England not to qualify. So I, th- I think they'll win the group, but it won't be easy. It'll be a bit of a, I think it'll be a bit of a slog. But I think I can't separate Wales, Iran, and the USA. I really can't. I think that there's the, the three teams, I think there's only, there's only four or five places between all, all three of them in the rankings. So it boils down to which team is best prepared. Uh, you know, I think Wales have the edge. They've got Gareth Bale. They've got players. Bale can win a game on his own, even though he's, you know, he's having injury problems. But like I say, Iran, the conditions of, of favour Iran, it's a home World Cup in many ways. We don't know how the political situation back in Iran will, will affect the players, whether it will be a motivation or whether it will be have a draining effect on them. And the USA, I think there's a lot of players in the USA squad that have got a lot of hype around them but don't actually live up to that hype. People like Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. So let's see what the US have got. But if you're pushing me, I think it'll England will win the group. I think Wales will come second and I think Iran will come third and the US will come fourth. And finally, just on to finish off, who do you think will be the 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 key man for England that they have to to, to look to for to get? Obviously, I'm sure England's objectives are to get to the final, you know, because they mm-hmm. they almost got there last time. But who do you think is the key man now for them? It's Harry Kane, hundred percent. You know, even with Harry Kane, I've got a chance of beating any team in the world. England without Harry Kane are just a team that has got a puncher's chance at best because they haven't got a striker. You know, you take Harry Kane at the team, you've got Marcus Rashford, who's inconsistent, Raheem Sterling's inconsistent, Callum Wilson, not really proven at this level. So it, it is all about Harry Kane. I think, you know, with him playing and fit, they've got a chance against anybody, even though they've got a defence that isn't great. So everything, everything is at Harry Kane's feet, really, for England. Mark, I really appreciate it. Um, are we going to see you in Qatar? Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm going out on Friday, so uh, okay. I'll be there. Um, I'm due to see Iran against Wales, so uh, second okay. game. So looking so forward can, to that. You'll, you'll meet Sina out there. You saw him in, in, in Austria, so hopefully we'll link up with him. But yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, good to it. catch up with you guys. Definitely, I appreciate it, and we'll speak to you very soon. Cheers. Yeah, enjoy it all. Cheers.
All the best, buddy. All right. I was uh, great to listen to Aria. Uh, thanks for that. And now I want to go to guys. We want to do predictions first or fan questions first. Let's go with fan questions first. All right. That sounds good. All right. Let me try to pull them up right here. How about, uh, how about this one uh, from uh, uh, username Aria Cave underscore. Do you think playing our low block long ball tactic will work against England? I don't think we're playing a long ball tactic in that kind of sense. I don't think that's what we're doing here. Are um, you are you are you expecting Cheshmi to run thirty balls? Yeah, I don't. With I don't. The ball at his feet. <laughs> no, I think. Look, ultimately, yes, we will hundred percent play a low block. You know, no doubt about it. You know, because we have to. You know, what are you, what do you expect? Do you expect us to keep the ball against England and trying to create chances and 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 create and score goals? You know, no, it's just not going to happen. They're they're a really good team, England. You know, yes, they've not played and they've not won a game since March. It doesn't matter. You know, they're a very good team, so we have to respect them, uh, their quality, and defend. You know, and defending isn't. This is, I think this is probably one of the maybe perspectives I have on the game. You know defending isn't a bad thing you know playing defensive for 90 minutes is almost frowned upon in the game it's seen as like a bad thing to do i don't i personally don't see that i see it as you know you're playing football you know and football has three or four different phases in in it and one of them is defensive phase and if you're going to do that for the 90 minute you're going to focus on that for the majority of the game then so be it you know it doesn't mean that you can't. You have to completely disregard the other parts of the game, but you have to put in more emphasis on that part of the game, that, and that's just because of the opponent that you have and and the the, the scouting or the analysis that you've done before the game. So, um, again, generally, Iranian football fans tend to want this kind of like you know sexy football. It's just not going to happen against England. It's not going to happen. But be. As Arya said, the low block is the low block. There's nothing we can do about that. But I think in terms of um, on the ball perspective, how do we how do we hurt England? I think we've, we've addressed it earlier, but I also think it's in transition where we can really hurt England because England are one of the favourites. As Arya said, they have amazing quality, amazing depth, etc. We absolutely know that, which is why we are expecting to be underdogs. But at the same time, there is a mistake in this team, whether it's in central midfield or, or in defence. They do tend to um, lose the ball in, in, in awkward areas throughout the match. And that's where our opportunities will come. It's not so much long ball. It's more that's making sure that we are in the right places to, to make the most out of those mistakes. I agree with what has been said. I think uh, we, we don't have the, the pacey player, players to, to play long balls. We don't have uh, someone like Alohior or Sterling or or whoever. But uh, yeah, we'll need to, to be at the right time in the right moment um, and uh, make sure every chance that we have, uh, yeah, I mean, take something from it. I think we can get a positive result from this game. But uh, yeah, we will have to make sure we do very few mistakes. And uh, they have Harry Kane in front. He's, as Arya said, a very good striker that can, can score from every position. So, yeah. And they also have a Sterling. <laughs> you mentioned we don't have them, but they do. Uh, guys, uh, a combination of uh, several different questions we got. Uh, one from uh, Ariana F. 
F. Kami, uh, also from uh, Patrick Tagdir, and another uh, from underscore Mantine125, all pretty much asking uh, something similar. Do you expect Sardar to get any playing time for this game? Do you expect him to start? Do we expect him and Tarmi to play together? I I would be pleasantly surprised if he starts because that means he can last more than a half. So he's ahead of his uh, kind of match fitness. By it. But I think if he does play any part, it will be off the bench um, when we when we need a goal or if we need him off the bench, essentially, depending on how the game goes. But I don't think he will start. Yeah, I agree with Sino. I think maybe if we need a goal, he will play at last 15 minutes or like last 20 minutes. But if we don't need a goal... Um, and if we handle the game well, I, a nil, uh, a draw, sorry, uh, it would be um, a nice result for us. So maybe it's not even uh, necessary. Maybe it w- wouldn't be necessary to to bring him in. Bit of a lightning round, guys. Uh, at Conscious Flesh on Twitter asks, what is England's biggest weakness that Iran could exploit Monday? Real quick, guys. Hi, Midwire. <laughs> That's a bit of an automatic choice, huh? Yeah, I think if I mean, yeah, if you're going to talk about individuals, yeah, Maguire. Um, but that I don't think they are as good on the ball as you would expect, and so that's why I was suggesting transition would be a good, good um, mm. kind of moment for us to to create chances. I don't know if you guys agree, and maybe even the physical, the physical aspect of the game, the physicality. This, you know, I don't know if the England are the strongest team physically. You know, I think we've got quite tall players. I don't know what you agree, Sina. No. You get you're shaking your head there. No, I, but but it depends on what aspect of the game are you talking about. You're talking about set pieces or yeah, you know, in that in those games where where it's where it's um it's close quarters. I think gen- generally speaking, one thing that Southgate has been very good at is is learning from other sports. Like I know he he was very um kind of um obsessed with with uh, American football and basketball to a certain extent for the purpose of set pieces. Um, and I think he's what he focuses on is, is finding space in such a kind of a, a tight area. And and if you master that, you don't necessarily need strong or, or tall players because it's with the movement of the other players where you can create that and it's, it's the delivery. I also think within the game, I know where you're coming from. I think we'll have more fights, but I wouldn't call them physically um, weaker. Um, I think actually from the, from the top teams that we could come across from a fitness perspective, they're probably one of the, one of the better teams out there. I agree with Sina. They're all playing in the Premier League. Uh, they're all at the top level uh, on a physical perspective. And actually, they have the ability to play 90 minutes uh, at the top level. So, yes. Also, like in terms of the preparation, you know, what we've had this time compared to 20, the 2018 team that we had was unbelievably fit. I mean, they were in fantastic shape. I just wonder with the schedule and the lack of maybe preparation that we've had, will that play a part in that in our physical conditioning? You know, we, we shall see. I, I think it, it definitely will uh, in some games. Uh, US are also a very fit team as well. So I think it's going to be a good, uh, it's a question mark uh, on this uh, World Cup. Yes. And actually, we, we all, every all teams have had the same preparation time. So I think it will be um, a weak point for them too. And to answer the question, uh, Samson, uh, I think one of their weaknesses is their their chemistry. They, they they like collective abilities, and I think we can frustrate them after 
mostly in the second half. Uh, if we we can not concede the goal, uh, they will be frustrating. And since they're not collectively the, the best team, um, that could open some nice counter-attack opportunities for us. All right, we'll definitely find that out uh, on Monday. Uh, real quick, guys, uh, Sajad A asks, five at the back or three? Neither. Um, yeah, neither. I mean, I, I I said earlier that I think one of the options to consider would be playing a, a centre-back at right back, so then when we're defending, it can be a back five. Um, I'm not sure if he will do that. Um at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, if that makes sense. Uh, but on paper, you would expect back four. Yeah, I, I think, I think again, our weakness is the midfield. You know, when you play a back five or a back three or whatever you want to call it, it's the same thing. You actually limit the amount of players in midfield. Not always. Sometimes you can play like a, a three, five, two, and you, you can crowd the midfield. But then you're, you're losing that, attacking emphasis which, which we still need to have remember we're still trying to we're trying to win the game as well we do we do want to win the game is that's actually a key part of it so you, you can't lose that but also from a um an organizational standpoint in my opinion it's always better to go with what you've been doing over the last few years you can't you know i think we've only played one time with three at the back and that was against bosnia a couple of years ago uh, with, with skocic which actually I've always praised Skocic for that, that that choice to play that back three. I thought we played really well against Bosnia and we didn't actually have Taremi and Osmond in that game uh, at all. The back three that we played against Bosnia was different though. Like you had attacking attacking wing backs in that game. Mm. We were trying to get on the ball more and obviously when you play back three, it gives you more option in terms of yeah. playing from the back. But it looked good. You know, it looked really impressive. They had, they had Jekyll playing up front and we had Kovarezoy playing up front. He's the only who don't, don't know what's happening with him now, obviously. But ultimately... You know, it looked good, but I just it's not it's not possible. He's called up four center backs, well five if you if you consider Cheshmi. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, I love how I said lightning round. I mean, this just, and this just went the opposite. This just went as slow as Karish likes to play. It's like I took tactics from Karish on how to approach these questions, nice and slow, build it up, Listen, take it for I, what you're... <laughs> If you've not if you've not learned anything after all these yeah. years, Samson, if you want us to do something, you need to ask us the opposite. <laughs> Yeah. You know, okay. One of the things, though, that Samson is it's interesting you bring that up. I'm actually, I think you maybe maybe you said it on the podcast already. I'm a big fan of that kind of football. I love watching boring defensive football. I do too. <laughs> I, I I I was a left I was a left back you know, growing up. Just I, and my, so, heck, even my dad coached had very similar styles when playing of, his, uh favored teams to play the same yeah. style. I, I'm with it. One of my Daniel favorite... Daniel Daniel is looking at you with disgust. Look at him. <laughs> One of my favorite games, and I still, I still love it, is Argentina match. You know that Argentina match was was such a great game. It was, it was a tactically tactically perfect game. You know we 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 approached that game with the way you should approach a game against Argentina. It just so happened that we lost it. So yes, and we we made everything that we could uh, on the few situations that we had, and we created even situations from nothing. I mean, yeah. from crosses from the. The middle of the pitch was yeah, it was actually a very nice game. Yeah, exactly. We were just a a, a, a miss hit on a header, and then a, a fingertip save from Romero, and a, a penalty, and yeah, a, a half decent and respectable referee away from winning the game. So when people try to tell us, "Oh, I don't want to watch Iran," they're just going to park the bus. No, then they don't know the game of football. 
Okay, that's just a fact. Okay, you play to you play to win the game. But to, to, to be back to the question, to be back to the question, I think as Ari mentioned, the uh, the interesting thing with uh, Skocich is that he had options on the on the the formation and the the, the tactics. With uh, Kairos, we know that he likes to play in a four three three formation. Actually, the formation has no meaning. It depends what you ask your players. But Kairos wants always to protect his three midfielders, and he wants three midfielders. And actually, it's not back three or back five. With Kairos, it's back four or back six. We'll have the wingers playing uh, as a right right backs and left exactly. backs, so, and we'll have four defenders. It will uh, be as a the central will... defenders. It will be a back five during the game at some point for sure. So and actually, if, if he plays Cheshmi, Cheshmi can come up deeper as a center back. I mean, yeah. every lineups uh, can uh, can be reformed uh, in another way. Okay, now moving into the kind of it's kind of a mix of, of of fan question and prediction, but it is prediction time. Uh, before we get to what we think this match will be, we did get a couple of questions. Uh, one from at 17 or 19 on Twitter. The other uh, from uh, actually both from 17 or 19. Good questions. Uh, first prediction or question. What do you think will happen between USA and Wales, guys? I've got Wales. Way... Well, well, that was such a quick answer. Um, hopefully a draw. Hopefully a draw, but I've got Wales as well. No, I think it will. I think it will be a draw. I, I've got two. I'm just going to go ahead and say two one Wales. Are you? Oh, Wales. I think Wales going to beat them. I, I um, I don't rate the US team. I'm just going to. I'm going to be honest. I don't rate them at all. I, well, I will, Samson, you're I, the you're the US experts here. Yeah, I, I will. I will say. Uh, I I was looking. I was studying the the USA Morocco friendly uh, earlier and. And just it, it frustrates me because you know on one hand, and I did grow up rooting a lot for the U.S., uh, albeit much more when Klinsman was the coach. I could I felt like I could actually learn something when I was watching him uh, coach the team. But it, it just goes to show that's just so inconsistent. You don't know if their chemistry is going to be at ninety seven percent or 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 forty two forty two percent. You know, you just don't know. I mean, they just annihilated that Morocco team in that summer friendly. And and then they go and, and play, say, in their last friendly uh, against Saudi Arabia, and it's just completely laid an egg against like the B minus C plus team of Saudi Arabia. It was it was awful. It was I was I was watching paint dry. I just it was similar just, to our performance against Algeria. So yeah, I mean, well, I mean, not what you will. We had a different manager for for that game, uh, but I I will say U.S. will be more encouraged they'll be much more inspired for this game whether that translates to chemistry or not i don't know i think wales uh has a lot more coming into this match uh so i would just go on a win and say wales 2-1 i don't know late win or something like that uh on that note guys uh official prediction before the first games who we think gets first and second in group b first uh, okay see so now you go yeah he's got his microphone on. um I hate predictions. Um, England first because they're the favourites. Um, Iran second. I agree with you now. Iran will be second. Oli is going to go Iran first and then Iran second as well. You know what it is? Um, I think <laughs> I think Iran second is likely. But 
I don't know. I, I think this Welsh team is 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 going to be difficult. Uh, I'm going to go Iran second, England England first, Wales third. But I'm I'm worried about this Wales game is going to be that game where it's going to decide a lot of things. I think it's it's all fun and games until we pull zero points from three games, no goals scored. You yeah, know, I, just... I was about to. I was about to say, do we need to uh, put uh, contact our lawyers to put in heartbreak liability forms just in case? I was. You picked us to finish first or second. This is all your fault. I mean, what, what are you gonna do? I mean, anything could happen. It, it it's 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 so sad because none of us went into twenty fourteen thinking we would stand a chance. Maybe two goals against Argentina, and we ended up almost winning the game. And then in yeah. 20, 2018, I mean, the famous meme of the guy with uh, with his face painted, but he had tears going oh, down. That was all of us. The The only thing I will say is the, the, the order of the games is perfect for Wales. Absolutely perfect. And it's the worst for us because U.S. is the game that we can win on paper. Mm-hmm. Wales is then second and then England third. Whereas in the current format, we, play, we don't play U.S. until the third game, which, I mean, if things go horribly wrong... We could be up by the time we play US, whereas Wales has more of a... Wales has the order of the games, which we did in 2018. And I think that played a big factor in us getting getting the, the results that we did. Um, I think ultimately uh, it comes down to this game against England. If we can get ourselves organised and playing in the way we want to play, we should go towards the, the next game doing well. If not... It's going to be a downhill, uphill battle. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the fitness is going to be a massive key uh, key in, in this tournament. Uh, I'm going to summon the spirit of Pejman and go with the pessimistic uh, prediction. Just so no, no, it's the, it's the I... other way around. Bobak is a pessimist. Oh, oh Bobak, okay. Pejman is the overly optimistic. That's right. That's right. He's the one that, who says it's going to be 4-0 every time. That's right. Balbac is the one who is the epic pessimist of Golbezan. So I'm going to summon his energy just so I know that I can't be uh, – that, that because I always jinx myself, I have to go with the reverse psychology uh, for the universe to go in our favor. Uh, and therefore, I will pick, I don't know, England and Wales, keep, keep the, the, the egos of all the, uh, of all the Britannia Island uh, fans happy and, and, and pick, pick that. Uh, please, pl- please prove me wrong. I I really want to be wrong. Um, uh, as for this game, guys, England versus Iran. What's your score? Zero zero. Beautiful. That's the most perfect result in Kairish's book. Yeah, yeah. You win. Daniel wins today, guys. Um, I think we lose the game. I think we lose the game with one nil. Um, and I think unfortunately it's going to be one of those heartbreaking goals where it happens in in the part of the game where we've done so well but unfortunately <laughs> you know do you know what would, yeah. what would what would make that worse is we've slated harry Maguire for the past yeah, hour it, uh, harry Maguire with, yes. with the injury injury with the added time <laughs> header from from a corner yes. perfect yeah I, I just think that i just think that our midfield i just don't know like for me phil foden I just I I can't see us handling a player like his of his quality that easily. I I really hope I'm proven wrong, but he's going to be difficult to handle for sure. Uh, we we played against against Portugal. They had wonderful players at that time, and they still have. And still, we managed to to get a a, a draw. So 
I believe <laughs> in our chances. And, uh, and if you do the maths, nil nil will be a callous carrier. Samson, you are you are the kind of the replacement for Pejmon in the current episode. Sorry for for Bobak, and Daniel does the same thing for Pejmon. <laughs> That's what we need. We need perfect balance. That's what we need. Yeah. Now I I would just I mean I'm just hoping for, I, I I'm just hoping for a zero zero. I I want. I want Iran to go viral for all the right reasons. I want everyone to say how boring we are, how it was awful. It was like watching uh, uh, watching a wall for 90 minutes and it was zero zero. I, that would be that would make my day. That's that's what I'm rooting for. Um, anything else, guys? You have the last word, Samson. Well, I, I want to dedicate the last words to telling our listeners to please, if you have not already subscribed to us on YouTube, we're nearing a thousand. Uh, we'd like to hit that mark. Uh, for our own selfish reasons and because we're trying to bring you the best content possible. We're putting as much as possible on everything you can think of. Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts, uh, uh, Telegram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole nine yards. We are there and we are welcoming anyone to uh, to uh, tune in to what we'll have as well. As a special uh, announcement, uh, uh, I don't know if we want to, uh, if, if Arya wants to talk about this, but Arya, you did uh, get a, a cool deal with. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Go, go in, shall we? Yeah. Daniel will be in, will be commentating for uh, TSN uh, England game, uh, the Canadian broadcaster for the World Cup. I will be doing the Wales uh, broadcast, and uh, Daniel will be doing the America one as well. So we will be. It would be in Farsi. So we, we, if you if you're in Canada, and you're uh, wanting to have your Farsi or Persian commentary on, you will hear the voices of Golbezan for for those games. Favorite and and, and Persian. So favorite uh, yeah, Persian, Persian with a Persian Persian with the flavor of Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, flavor yeah. of France. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get more beautiful than that. Yeah. Bien sûr. <laughs> I, I personally can't wait for that. So, uh, but of I'm course, not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything in Scottish. I don't have any no. <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> I guess. But of course, we'll also be on Twitter Spaces for pregame and postgame. Please uh, feel free to tune in for that, uh, where where we will be updating with starting eleven any uh, news up to the minute. Uh, news that we're getting uh, from Qatar. We will absolutely be updating you on our social medias for that and on Twitter spaces uh, for that. Anything I missed, guys? Are you all good? All right. Well, that being said, uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Feel free to uh, subscribe. Uh, make sure you set the notifications on. And uh, now it's just time for World Cup Feeder to set in. Oh, one, one more thing, guys. World Cup Fever to settle in. World Cup, guys. All right. Thank, thanks, Cena, Daniel, and Arya. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you. What is that hot one? <laughs>